One of the first things I saw on websites when I started thinking about substitute teaching is, what do you put in your substitute teacher's bag? So why have I never talked about it on the podcast? Let's do it. Episode 34. All right, guys, hope you had a good week this week, substitute teaching. As I mentioned last week, we had a couple of days off, so had a short week this week. I also wanted to mention that, you know, we live in Kentucky, and we're used to at least some snow during the winter, but here it is February now, and we still haven't seen any snow. We might see some this weekend, so we'll see how that takes our schedule into consideration next week. So the seasons are changing. I understand. I heard this week that Punxsutawney Phil, bless his heart, is actually wrong like 60% of the time. So I guess that means you get better odds just flipping a coin. So, But I like the tradition. I'd like to go up there and see that sometime. But that's the way our weather is flowing here right now. I hope you're having good weather and you get lots of substitute jobs in. So I wanted to mention, first of all, I've talked about Buzzsprout before. There are free options for podcasts. I've had several people ask me about uh, creating their own podcast. Buzzsprout is about 12 bucks a month. I think it's worth it. I think their videos alone about how to do things is worth that. And they, their customer service is just unbelievable. And this is not a commercial. I'm doing this for free. I might eventually, they have an affiliate program that I might start including their link at the end in my code just for the heck of it if you want to get started. But the reason I bring that up, they, they just introduced a whole new stat package that I was excited about it last week. I talked about it a little bit, but I'm even more excited when I watched the video that explained what we could do with it. So here's what they suggested. There is a page now on the podcast that I think you'll agree with this, lists the number of listens that you got in the first seven days of when each podcast was released. And I thought, well, you know, that that sounds interesting. It'll tell me what's most popular. But what they suggested to do with that is to look at what your most popular episodes have been and then see if it has a common trait. And that will help you determine what your listeners like most. And boy, I mean, I had an inkling of what that might be, but sure enough, the most common trait is obvious when I look at the stats. I'm looking at my page right now. First of all, by far and away, the fastest listened episode, the one that got the most listens in the first seven days was two weeks ago. The volleyball players talk subs courtside and which reward systems work. So that was our most popular. That was when we had students interviewed. Remember that students interviewed. So that was the most popular. I did issue a revised version. I was wrong, by the way. Apple does not generate that revised version just like it was a new one. It's just that if you should go back to that, that's the one that you would then receive other other than the one that was released first. So that was by far the most listened to. Second 
was episode 25 called Record It Live from the Classroom. It's STL 25. So that's the one in second place. And then in third place is way back at number episode 18, talking about subs with students, Jonathan, Camden, and Lily. Now, let me ask you something. What do you see in that? I see that the episodes you guys like to listen to most are the ones in which we have the students involved. And that is so refreshing for me. I joke with my students that tell me they're listening to the podcast. I said, do you find it boring since I'm just talking to other substitute teachers? And they say, no, you talk about students all the time. That's why we're listening to it. I think that's why they're excited when they see me roaming down the hallway recording some things and recording at games and all that. So I'm thankful that that information is now given to me by Buzzsprout. It's very valuable. I am going to try my best to get as many student interviews as I can into this podcast because obviously that's what you enjoy. One other thing that the new stats helped me identify, and I kind of knew this from the beginning, but I've talked to you about the most popular episodes so far. Number one is episode one, where we talk about how it's my first time as a substitute teacher. The title was, I'm finally approved as a substitute teacher, and so it begins. And then second place is episode two where I say, yes, I got the substitute teacher job. I want it before anyone else. Those are the top two. But listen to this. The first place has 40% more listens than second place. At f- when you first hear that, you might say, hey, I'd be excited about that, about Mr. Collins. But, you know, I'm not. And here's why. Let's think this through. People that are looking for substitute teacher's resources They find the podcast. They listen to it. That means anybody that finds it and wants to try it out will be listening to episode one. So the real telltale sign is if they continue to listen to. Now, a lot of them do. A lot of them do, or it wouldn't be in second place. But some do not. And I remember back in June of last year when I recorded the first episode a lot of anxiety there. You know, am I going to get like 10 listens a week and it'll really be a, you know, just a silly effort that won't pan out. Obviously, it ended up being very popular. I'm excited for that. I'm glad you guys are listening. But as I go back and listen to that, there's not a lot of attention grabbers. I didn't hadn't gotten good with editing yet. So here's what I did. I printed out a script. I wanted it to be virtually the same as it was before. I did add a few little things, and this week I re-recorded episode one. If you want to hear it, if you click on episode one, you can hear the new version. It's around 17 minutes, just like the old version was. I did mention that I'll be having student interviews. I hit that a little bit harder than I had before. I did do a different opening this time. I love the opening with the kids, whether you guys do or not. Sorry, guys, that's not going to matter to me because that was that was so special to me. That probably going to always be my opening until I re-record it with a new group of kids. But I re-recorded episode one. Here's what I'm hoping now when people discover the podcast that they'll stick around a little bit longer. Most of you do, but, you know, I guess three quarters of you do if, if we 
calculate the statistics. But, you know, I want to grab as many people as I can. I want your ideas. Today's going to be a good one that you can provide ideas. So I want to do that. So go back and listen to that first episode. I would love for you to tell me at gregcollinssubstitute at gmail.com what you think about it. Remember, you can also send me audio bites and uh, we'll go from there and, and we'll see how that goes. All right, I remember an old song from when I was a teenager called Troglodyte Caveman who said, we're going to go back, way back, back into time. That's what I want to do right now. I'm going to go back about, I guess it's been almost 18 months when I first thought about substitute teaching, and I was looking for ideas everywhere, and I came across probably the most popular topic that ever came up. What do you put in your substitute teacher's bag? And, you know, I read some of those, you know, some of those I'm thinking, all right, do you go in there with a wheelbarrow or what exactly is it you're carrying all this stuff in? Do you leave them in your car? I knew I wasn't going to do that right off the bat. And here's why I want to take you back to that point, too. There are a lot of you out there. Well, in fact, let's start with the ones that have been doing this for a while. Think back to your first days, and you were trying to decide how much should I take with me. If I was a betting man, I would say that now, looking back, however long ago that was, you'll admit that it was probably too much. Here's what I decided to do. I'm kind of a practical guy. I'm also a tightwad with certain things, so I try not to buy things unless I really find out that I need them. And you'll find out what I came up with here in just a moment that ended up being important to me. But I looked back at all those lists and I said, you know, I'm not going to buy those yet. So my first point to you guys, if you're just getting ready to substitute teach, if you're just putting together your first substitute teacher's bag or packet or supply list, whatever you want to call it, wait a little while. Just go with the basics you need. I mean, you're going to need some ink pens and maybe some post-it notes and things like that. Go with that first. And after you substitute taught for a while, see what's important to you. See what you need to take with you. That worked out with me. I didn't take reams of paper. I, In fact, I never really bought paper until I got it to be a long-term sub, and we'll talk about convenience here in just a moment that, you know, it's just like, going, you know, convenience is why we buy things. It's just like, that's why things are more expensive at convenience stores, and we pay that price anyway because it's convenient. We don't have to go to a big, massive supermarket to buy things, so... That's what you're going to see as I go through my list a little bit. But before I do, I want all of you to think back to what you bought, if it ended up being a good buy, and please contact me, gregcollinssubstitute at gmail.com. I want to add good ideas. Let's keep our substitute teacher supply list going and improving And I'm sure that you guys, once you mention some things to me, I'm going to say, well, why in the world did I not think about that? And to be honest, when you hear some of my list, you're going to say, I'm not going to buy that. And that's up to you. I I think that's why this is important that we get through this. First, I'm going to talk a little bit about stuff for the classroom, actual stuff that you're going to be using in the classroom. Here are the ones that I ended up coming up with. And to be honest, there's only a half dozen. Some of you are going to think I'm crazy, 
but there's only about a half dozen. Two of those you're probably going to choose not to use anyway. So here's what I started with. So definite top two. Top one, of course, is ink pens. Now, let me get you started. And you might be a pencil person. Go ahead and take some pencils with you if you want. You're going to be making notes. You're going to think that you don't really need to write things down. And you don't really need an ink pen because the teachers are there. I have gotten myself into trouble. I'm kind of saying that tongue in cheek by losing teachers' pens. So buy some pens of your own. Try to buy some that are conspicuous, that there's no doubt you're going to remember later that those were yours. And I'll make this recommendation. Don't buy one good one. Buy a pack of ones that are maybe lesser quality because you are going to lose them. It kind of becomes a standing joke with me of, with all the kids in my classroom of how many things I leave around the classroom and have them have to look for me. Teachers will often leave answer keys to projects we're doing. I'll leave those laying around everywhere. I'll take my, if I'm eating a snack or something, I'll leave it laying around. I'll leave my soda laying around. They just get used to bringing it to me. I remember when I, me and my wife did church camps, I would leave my organizational folder everywhere and there'd be a different student bring that up to me every day. So trust me, you're going to lose some of these pens. So buy, you know, a dozen or so, keep them into whatever I carry a laptop sleeve that I don't use anymore that I carry my supplies around in. So it's not very large. In fact, the bulk of it is made up of my iPad and a folder that I keep some papers in. So uh, that's the first thing, ink pens. Now, let me tell you what you're going to notice, especially as you go to several different schools and several different teachers. They all have those whiteboards yet. I haven't seen a chalkboard yet. Maybe you do in your area and you can prove me wrong. But you're going to pick up the marker to write something. It's going to be dry or faint. You're going to pick up another marker. It's not going to work either. And I'll be honest with you, more classrooms than not, I'll pick up a marker on the board and it won't write. Now, I have a hunch that some of those teachers actually have a supply stash somewhere so that they don't get lost or they don't dry out. You know, they dry out because the kids write with them. And I'm, I'm okay with that. It doesn't bother me if they do that. They're just kind of channeling their creative energy but you're going to need those markers. So buy you a set of multi multicolored dry erase markers for the whiteboard. You'll need those to write things. If nothing else, you want to write your uh, name in bold letters when they come in the room so they can get used to you. And maybe write a couple of quotes so that they can tell that you're, you didn't just come in and show up. That you kind of gave some thought of what you wanted to talk to them about. So I would buy the markers. Now... Let me tell you this about pencils. Every substitute teacher goes into the classroom feeling the same way. These kids need to provide their pencils. That is what they need to do. I get tired of kids not bringing their old pencil. I said that for months. You can say that all you want to. It is just going to make your life easier and less disruptive if you buy some pencils. Now, let me tell you what I did. It was the best $8 I ever spent on Amazon. 
I found a box of number two pencils, $144 for $8, best $8 I ever spent. Because let me tell you what I went through before that. I first, I, I asked other teachers, not just substitute teachers, but teachers that deal with this every day, especially as I got to a long-term role, I said, how do you keep track of pencils? Do you provide pencils? Well, here's what some of them said they did. I started first by buying about, I guess it was 10 cheap mechanical pencils. I kept them in a jar with a sign-up sheet next to them. So that was the theory, right? You sign in, you sign out when you bring the pencil back. Well, sometimes we'd get in a hurry. I would forget to make them sign it. Or I might even say, go ahead. I saw that you take it. And then, of course, I would forget it. And then they wouldn't maliciously keep it, but they just kept it. You know, there's pencils all over the floor all day. You think you could keep everybody supplied just by picking them up off the floor. But that one didn't really work. I also got an idea of a, of a, this came from an elementary school teacher. When they get a pencil, they have to leave the right shoe or a shoe. Don't guess it has to be your right shoe. And that way, for sure, they'll bring the pencil back and get their shoe back. Well, it's funny. I teach so many sixth graders. They ended up kind of making a game for that. You know, whether whether they needed a pencil or not, they wanted to go with one shoe off for the whole class. So that didn't work as well. And just like signing in and out, we would get in a hurry and forget. So I decided, hey, man, Amazon is a great service. I've got free shipping. I'm going to spend $8 for 144 pencils. They basically, I just ran out, and I bought them a year ago. So that might be the most valuable uh, purchase I ever made. Here's the deal. You're going to get interrupted so many times by kids who didn't bring a pencil, or whether they're telling the truth or not. I would ask some kids that asked for a pencil, you know, the last two periods of the day, you know, it's the sixth or seventh period. What did you do the rest of the day without a pencil? Oh, I lost it, Mr. Collins. I'm sorry. And they were sorry. But, you know, they're kids. They're going to lose their pencil. Buy some pencils. Obviously, I shouldn't say obviously, the ones that are unsharpened are cheapest. I, I know I got that box for $8. I just looked it up while I was talking about this on Amazon, and I see it's up to $9.99 now. But I didn't shop around anymore either, so you could probably get those fairly cheaply. $8, it's, you know, $8, you know, stretch that out over the year that I asked me, you know, all of a sudden that's sounding like less than a dollar a month. I think that worked out well for me. So now this next one might surprise you a little bit too. One class that I went into often, the kids had to sharpen their pencil often. Not only was it very loud, it was kind of in disrepair. And the teacher is the only one that knew how to use it. And she showed me how to use it one day. And keep in mind that this was as a class that it was a class that they were some of the shorter periods of the classes I've been to. They were like 50 minutes. So if you have to stop even 30, 45 seconds to sharpen somebody's pencil several times during the class, well, that wastes time that gets you out of your flow. So guess what? 
I spent another, in this case, it was $9, and I found what I thought is a very good pencil sharpener, so much so that I'm going to recommend the exact brand and model. This, too, was an Amazon purchase, but the reason I liked it, and I can't remember now if I ordered a different one first and sent it back, but this one was so much quieter. It was so easy to use. It's a model that the kids actually, they put their pencil in the pencil sharpener hole, and they don't even have to lift it up every few seconds to see if it's sharp. It actually stops when it's sharp. Now, it must be a fairly popular brand because I spent $9.99, and I might have bought it while it was on sale or something, and I noticed it's $16.99, but again, to me, it was a very worthwhile purchase. It is a Jarlink brand, that is J-A-R-L-I-N-K, and I noticed its model number is OP007D. That first O is a letter O, so it's op 007D. We love the pencil sharpener. It's kind of funny. The kids enjoyed the pencil sharpener so much, I guess, compared to the one they were using before. But I noticed even this last time when I did long-term sub, I finally remembered to bring it in and they lined up at it because they liked it a lot. All they had to do is put down any kind of pencil in there and it shut off automatically. So that's that's two of my favorite purchases, and that's how I solved the pencil situation. Other stuff that I bought besides markers and pencils and ink pens, I'm an official, but so I always have whistles. Take a whistle in with you. Someday you're going to be asked to teach a physical education class. You'll need it for that. Sometimes you might, you might just need a little slow whistle blast to catch everybody's attention. I would recommend a Fox 40 whistle. They have a good sound. It's a whistle the referees use. I would not get the micro. I like using that for volleyball, but it's much louder, a little bit loud for the classroom. And there's some even louder than that called Sonic. Sonic's mention is meant for outdoors, and that could literally blow your eardrums out. So don't buy that one. So Amazon, or Amazon, you can get it on Amazon. It's a Fox 40 whistle. Those work real well. The other thing that I would, I've used it mainly when I'm a long-term sub, but if I, even if I'm there for more than a few days, I find that found a cheap, small whiteboard that I could just stick up on the wall outside the classroom when I'm there for a few days and either just leave a corny joke or something that they would be excited about coming by and reading what I had to put up there. And I thought that was just kind of a cool break the ice, come in the classroom type thing. So that's my basic stuff. I bought my own dry erase markers. I bought a box of pencils, a pencil sharpener, a small whiteboard, ink pens, and a whistle. Now, the next thing I'm going to mention is just in the health environment. I have found that these are essentials as you go through. You are not going to be healthy every day you go to the classroom. You're not going to go in there if you're sick enough that you you don't want to risk making the kids sick, but sometimes you're just going to have a slight cough. Sometimes you're just going to have an upset stomach. Some of the things that I make sure in that regard that I always have with me are I always carry Dayquil or any type of off-brand 
those are the kind that they don't have antihistamines in them. So it won't do much for your sneezing because those tend to make you drowsy. Make sure you get the one that's got day in its title. And that basically takes care of coughing, runny nose for the most part. You don't want to have that inconvenience going on while you're trying to teach a class. So and, and also throat lozenges. Everybody likes something different. I use Ricola sometimes. I've had the Hall's menthol liptus. Probably depends on how, seer, how severe or what you like. I would also take some of that antibacterial ointment. I haven't been to a classroom yet that didn't already have those in the room for the kids. Take a bottle of your own. Keep it on your desk. Keep your hands clean, especially after you've... Uh, and the kids understand that. I, I guarantee you no kid's going to be offended because you just helped him and then go clean your hands. So have some of that. Then the last thing I would, just some kind of digestive tablet. You know, some people like Alka-Seltzer. Some people like other things. Just take some of that too. Why be uncomfortable that afternoon? So those are the things that I always keep with me in case I need them. I don't go overboard. I don't take them as a precaution. But if I need them, I'll take them. Now, the last things I'm going to mention today are more about things that I would have in your back pocket for knowledge. And then I'm going to say one other thing that you're probably going to disagree with me, but that's okay. I think it's valuable. First thing, go on YouTube and look for videos of how to run those classroom overhead projectors if you don't already know. Most of them are white most of them have a white remote control. Most of them allow you to both put a paper on your desk and shine a light, a projection light on that, that will then project it onto the board. And most of them will let you flip between that and anything you have on your personal computer. For instance, if you want to show CNN 10 one morning and then immediately go back to the paper you have on their desk so they can copy notes from you or you can provide maps for them, that's make sure you know how to do that. And there's pr plenty of YouTube videos online to help you with that. So while that's not supplies in your bag, that is definitely knowledge I call in your back pocket. Also, keep some fillers in mind. We've talked about this. What if you have five, 10 minutes left at the end of class? Pull up one of those interesting charts uh, on the Data is Beautiful channel on YouTube. Some of them are fun. You'll find some of them that I guarantee you'll find some that coincide with what you're teaching that day. Find some good Khan Academy videos so that if you ever need to get to that point, you can quickly go there and learn about Kahoot. And here's what I want you to do. You know I'm a Kahoot guy. I use it all the time. I often hear high remarks also for Quizlet and quizzes. Please, if you use those last two, definitely send me a note. I want to know from you how they work. I would love to interview you about how they work. And then the last thing I would keep in my back pocket, you heard this from some of the volleyball players we interviewed a couple of weeks ago, always go in with those personal stories. Those kids love those, and then they love sharing their own, so... That's just a way to add to the learning. The final thing will require purchase. Guys, it's candy. Now, let me tell you this. Some of you are going to say, I am not going to reward those kids for something they should be doing anyway. Okay, go with it that way. Here's the conclusion I went to. 
First of all, if you're a member of Sam's Club or anything like that, you can get an absolute huge bag of candy for next maybe $10 that will last you months. And kids, as a general rule, really don't care what kind of candy. Let me tell you what I've done. I've kind of used it as a, quote, bribe on occasions. I'll say at the beginning of the class, guys, I've got some candy to hand away to one person in each class today. And it's going to be totally random. I'm going to stick my finger on the roster and give it to whoever I land on. So as long as you behave yourselves today and don't give me a reason to not include you in this candy, then somebody's going to get a piece of candy. And it's amazing how much just a little package of maybe Starburst is is well-received by the students in that class. So keep some of those around. It enhances some of the games you play. Maybe keep enough to hand out to the winners of each team. But there you have it, guys. That's my sub bag. Not much in the bag. A lot of it's mental, medical. A lot, you know, a small amount of that was actually stuff that I make sure I have every day. You've got ideas, and I want to hear them. So, Greg Collins Substitute at gmail.com or go to the Substitute Teachers Lounge Facebook page. Let me know what's in your goodies bag as a substitute teacher, and hopefully, I'll have more to share with you. Next week, see you on the next episode. Music provided by Ben Sound.